Welcome to the Streets Sessions, the new business podcast from Streets Chartered Accountants. Today we're joined by uh, Michael Ball, a tax director with the firm, and we're going to explore um, how to manage the estate of a deceased and loved one. Michael, often it's it's something that uh, people have no experience of, or very little experience, hopefully, uh, but actually it can be quite daunting with little understanding of what actually do when uh, someone passes away. Absolutely, James. It's It's a strange position really because when somebody dies obviously people are naturally going through a grieving process and it's the time in your life when you probably want to do as little as possible to do with paperwork but it's also the time that seems to generate the most paperwork when it's already as I say a a distressing and difficult time for people to try to actually deal with the paperwork that goes along with dealing with somebody's estate is difficult process for people to manage. The process itself is a relatively straightforward process, but there are lots of different elements to it. There are lots of different businesses and companies to to involve, depending on what assets the deceased held. And it's a daunting situation for people, particularly if they're in a situation where they, they need to engage with HMRC in regards to an IHT liability. People tend to be very nervous about dealing with a government department like HMRC. They're fearful of doing things wrong, and they're fearful of what the consequences might be if they do do things wrong. And that's where being able to offer a probate service, as we now can at Streets as a, as a licensed firm of chartered accountants, is very helpful for us to provide an additional service to our clients. And as the accountants, accountancy firm who have been dealing with that individual and the family often for, for many years, sometimes even generations, with, with streets having been around for so long, it, it puts us in the perfect position to guide those, those families through what is a very difficult time. I've had many meetings on, at that stage where people have recently lost a loved one they found the will and they found out that they've been appointed as the executor and they, want, they need to deal with it. And they come in and they, they don't know what to do and they, they, they're just quite worried about the whole situation. And it's quite nice to be able to say to them, don't worry about it. Pass that worry on to us. We will deal with that for you. You can get on with, with your grieving process. And, and Obviously, we need their input. They are the executives and they are the family. But to a large extent, we can deal with the the admin, the, 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 the difficult parts of the job. So really, probate is the process of dealing with the estate of a deceased. Uh, yeah. And presumably it starts with, first of all, finding out what that deceased had in yeah. terms of financial value. What are the elements of that then? I mean, is, I mean most people, obviously, the one, one that probably jumps out is property, but there are other things that form. There are indeed. I mean, first of all, probate is, is a term that's used to cover a multitude of sins. It, if it's used to, to cover the, the process of dealing with someone's estate. In technical terms, the grant of probate is actually where you've got a will that names executors and then you go to the probate registry to get a, a grant of probate which gives the executors the power to deal with the assets of the estate. If there is no will, then technically it's letters of administration rather than a grant of probate. But that's all technical nitty-gritty. We don't really need to worry about it. The process is, as you said, first of all, well, actually, one, find the will if they've got one, because that is the the document that provides, one, you with the power to actually deal with their estate, 
and two, determines what you actually need to do with those, the assets of that state. As an executor, you have the duty to execute the clauses of that will in accordance, you know, as they are written down and by that legally binding document. Um, so you've got that responsibility. But once you've found the will and you, you, you've got that certainty then as to, as to what you're supposed to be dealing with, yeah, you need to find out what assets they had. That is a, not an easy process because a lot of people's finances aren't in particularly organised state. As you say, the obvious ones like the house, its contents, you can physically see those so that it's, it's easy to know that they are there. And it's relatively easy then to determine the legal ownership status of things like the house via the land registry. But to determine what other assets they have, I mean, one that does crop up occasionally is, is assets held in a safe deposit box, which doesn't come up very often, but does come up. There are financial assets nowadays where have people got investments. They may have put £20,000 into an ISA, but they might have done it 10, 15 more, you know, a long time ago, or in other investments, life insurance policies, a single premium life insurance policy they may have put in place decades ago. They put, what, they put a lump sum in, and it's just sat there ever since. So it really is a case of trying to find any bit of paperwork that relates to any company that they may have had dealings with, contacting them to try to find out if they still have active accounts, active investments with them. And that is a time-consuming process. It's an admin process, but it takes a lot of time to get through. And therefore, like you said, it's about building that picture of what assets have they got, and then we can move on with the estate. I suppose, so the process is you, you, you simulate or amass those assets, but also liabilities. Presumably if there's income tax or other tax due or other liabilities, you're looking for a net financial position, Precisely. which presumably is the estate that then can be distributed. Exactly, yeah. It's, um, you, you can't not think about the liabilities. One of the main important reasons for not forgetting about the liabilities, forgetting about the fact that you have a duty to pay them, is the fact that liabilities as at the date of death are offsetable against the value of the estate for inheritance tax purposes. So the obvious one is a mortgage. That's one that ten, people tend to be aware of if there's a mortgage on a property, brings down the value. But then things as simple as utility bills, those type of, of liabilities. You mentioned an income tax position. Absolutely, the income tax position up to the date of death needs to be brought in. It's an allowable expense for inheritance tax purposes. And the paperwork, again, more paperwork, but it's paperwork though that needs to be completed. If they completed tax returns, you need to submit a return to the date of death. Mm. So there's a lot of those elements to bring in, and yeah, it's, it's a useful element. I suppose also what you tend to find is uh, the assets are frozen, um, but you could have be incurring liabilities. Yeah. You may have to, uh, if I'm correct, you put, don't you have to pay the tax up front before yes. you can distribute? How, how do people deal with that? Because often that could be sizable sums of money yeah. or not necessarily insignificant, uh, smaller sums of money, but actually somebody has to physically pay them. Yes. So how do people manage that situation? Well, there are, there are a couple of different ways of dealing with it. In terms of the smaller liabilities, most firms are quite flexible when it comes to collecting a debt off somebody has died. They are aware of the difficulties of that situation. So you're quite right. When you notify the bank of someone's death, if they had a sole bank account, that bank account becomes frozen. If it was a joint account, then the process is different. They just take their name off and it automatically passes by survivorship to the other owner. 
So that is actually one top tip, I suppose, is that if you, if you're in a position where you say you've got a terminal illness, you know you haven't got long left to go, think about getting things like bank accounts into joint names so that it eases that process. But that aside, for things like funeral expenses, banks are very good about those. So if you take the invoice onto, into their bank, they will, although the bank account is frozen, they will release funds to pay things like the funeral expenses directly because that is one of the largest expenses that often falls immediately around the period of death. In terms of inheritance tax, which is another liability which can be substantial and comes along, well, it comes along six months after the date of death, effectively. So IHT is due six months after the end of month of death, which is a bit of a mouthful to get, get out. But basically what it means is if someone dies in February, the inheritance tax is due by the end of August. There is a direct payment scheme, which is again a system in place with the banks. So if there's money sat in bank accounts, you can fill in the appropriate form, the IHT 423, which you then submit to the bank, tell them how much you need them to pay to the revenue, and they send the money direct. So there's those mechanisms in place to pay the inheritance tax. Since we're talking about them paying the inheritance tax, we probably should mention that not all of it is due up front. Some assets, normally the most common ones are land and property. You can pay the inheritance tax in instalments if you opt to, and they are 10 equal instalments over 10 years. To get the process moving and to be able to apply for the grant of probate, you need to have paid the non-instalment option tax, so which is normally the tax due on things like money in bank accounts and investments, that type of thing, and the first instalment is of the instalment option as well. So there's normally a good chunk of inheritance tax you need to pay up front. So that leads us on quite nicely actually to the whole process. We talked about pulling together the value of the estate and the liabilities. Once you've got those, you then need to decide which inheritance tax forms do I need to complete. You either do the IHT 205 if it's a relatively simple estate, or you do an IHT 400 if you've got inheritance tax to pay or it's more complicated. Once you've got those prepared, if you're doing the IHT 205, you can submit that with your uh, statement of truth directly to the, the probate registry and obtain the grant of probate. If you need to do the IHT 400, you submit that to HMRC, pay the initial inheritance tax, they then return a form IHT 421, and once you've got that form, you can submit that with your statement of truth to the probate registry. And that really is stage one of the process. Assess the value of the estate, assess its liability to IHT, deal with that element, and obtain the grant of probate. And then we move on to administering the estate. Looking at it, I mean, look, historically there's been, um, in, uh, particularly where people have got stately homes, and not that we have many of those, in, um, <laughs> but in terms of uh, you know, the length of period of time of, of dealing with probate and administering a state is, I think typically you said it could be up to six months, but sometimes it goes on longer where other assets are involved. Absolutely, it? yes. So as, I, as I mentioned, the deadline for the inheritance tax payment is, is the six months. So we tend to work on that as a deadline for and a time scale for getting that first stage done, the valuing of the estate and the paying of the inheritance tax. Beyond that, you've then got the administration of the estate, which depending on the assets, you know, you're looking another, maybe another six months to deal with that. As a general rule of form, you like to be looking about a year to deal with the estate. It's probably important to point out that the role of an executor is actually one for life. Yes. 
if something else crops up, another asset, another liability, you still have that role to deal with that. But some estates can rumble on for a very, very long time. Uh, if you're paying tax by instalments, then of course you've got that longer, potentially 10-year period where you're still paying the inheritance tax. So it really depends on the, on the size and the complexity of the estate as to how long it runs for. But on average, you're probably looking six months to two years, something like that, to deal with, to deal with mm-hmm. an estate. And I suppose also you, you've, you've highlighted the benefits of actually, um, as a firm of accountants and tax advisors with long-term relationships with their client, is that uh, you know, time of loss of a loved one, that actually the empathy and sympathy and understanding we have. Absolutely. But I think also we've talked about when you go through the process, what often people find is it's a good time for them you know, the, 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 the survivors to actually look, consider, well, actually, is the next generation, what planning have we put in place, which Absolutely, we, we obviously yeah. cover and when we look at inheritance tax in another session. Exactly. Nothing quite focuses the mind, like having to send a large payment to HMRC. Right. I have had situations where people have refused to look at inheritance tax and a member of the family dies, they're hit with a large inheritance tax bill, and all of a sudden it becomes forefront of the mind, and yes, but actually we do want to do some planning. Mm. So, it, um, yeah, it, it can trigger that. And also, in, on that line, when you're inheriting assets, you may not have had much of an estate yourself before. No. All of a sudden, you're inheriting a lot of wealth from your parents or other members of the family. That is then another trigger point to look at your own estate and consider your own planning. No, thank you. And thank you for joining us today and hope to welcome you for another session in due course. Thank you very Absolutely. much indeed. Thanks, James.